Welcome to RNFM Radio, Nursing Unleashed. We're your hosts, Kevin Ross and Keith Carlson, and we bring you inspiring interviews with a wide array of nursing experts, innovators, and entrepreneurs. We're glad you're here. So welcome and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of RNFM Radio on the Pulse of Nursing. This is Monday, June 3rd. Yes, we are in June, and my eyes and nose cannot stand it because the pollen and cottonwood are all flying around here in Colorado. But of course, without a doubt, this is the platform where we are always discussing the latest news, trends, and hot topics in the world of nursing and health care. Of course, our dynamic guest list, both past and present, spans the whole spectrum from nurse authors bloggers, speakers, filmmakers, and entrepreneurs. These are the leaders and thought provokers in the industry, and we're thrilled to be able to bring them to you right here with us on RNFM. Again, welcome. I'm Kevin Ross here in my studio in Colorado. Of course, as always, I'm accompanied by my fellow co-host, Keith Carlson. He's hanging out down south in New Mexico in Santa Fe, of course. He's also here with us. Keith, it's always a pleasure to be here with you tonight, sir. And how are things in your neck of the woods? Hey, Kevin, how are you? Good evening. I'm so sorry about your suffering with your nose and eyes. Everyone's feeling it down here in Santa Fe, too. And we're actually, our little city is surrounded by two wildfires at the moment that are only 5% contained. So the air has not been so good in Santa Fe, even though we've been said to have the second best air of any city in the United States after Cheyenne, Wyoming, but not during wildfire season so I have the doors closed the fans going the air purifiers going but things are still great here in the city different and I am really excited to be here for episode 65 of RNFM radio so Kevin would you give folks a little bit of detail as usual of how to get in touch and then we'll begin introducing our trio of guests for the evening of course. Um, as always, if you're listening to us live, you could be hanging out on Blog Talk Radio, and that's blogtalkradio.com forward slash RNFM radio. And the media player, the stream, is right there live, and of course, all of our archive shows. However, we certainly appreciate you hanging over on the blog site at rnfmradio.com, where we have the player up in the right-hand margin. You can listen to us live right now. Or, of course, any of our archived episodes, all 64, and of course, uh, soon to be 65 to be archived. We are um, not probably hanging out as much on Tweet Chat tonight uh, because our lovely assistant Tara uh, will be delayed. But um, if you are hanging out on Tweet Chat, we will certainly make an effort to hang out over there. Hashtag RNFM Radio. And, of course, if you're an iTunes user, many of you are, you can also catch our shows archived as well. So if you just go to iTunes in your application, open that up under podcast, 
type in the search bar, all, all one word, no spaces, RNFM Radio, and there we are. And you can, of course, schedule those downloads to your iOS device. Um, and we can't forget about our friends over at ProMed Network, promednetwork.com forward slash RNFM Radio. And they are so nice to have us right there on the homepage, typically hours after the show has aired. And, of course, as always, again and again, time and time again, I'm a broken record here on radio. We always encourage you to call in. If you want to listen, that's fine. I'll give you the number. If you want to listen, fine. I'll share the number with you. But if you want to call in for a question or comment, we certainly would welcome that opportunity as well. 347-308-8064. And, of course, we'll give you a roundup of the upcoming guests at the end of the show. And back to you, Keith. All right. Thank you, Kevin. That's always a mouthful. You do a great job. That's a lot of ways for people to keep in touch. And tonight, we are really keeping in touch with nursing. And of course, we're always talking about nursing, but tonight we're talking about writers, nursing and writers, and a new book just published by In Fact Books. It is called, I Wasn't Strong Like This When I Started Out, Stories of Becoming a Nurse. The book just came out in paperback. We are thrilled to have three, two contributors to the book and the editor. So we're going to do a little intro here, and then we'll bring them into the conversation. First, we have Lee Goodkind. He's the founder and editor of the literary magazine Creative Nonfiction and has written and edited books about baseball, healthcare, travel, and technology. He is currently Distinguished Writer-in-Residence at the Consortium for Science, Policy, and Outcomes and a professor in the Hugh Downs School of Human Communication, both at Arizona State University. Now, Kevin, you're up next. Of course. Um, I would love to introduce Pamela Baker, contributor individually I identifiable. She received her MFA in creative writing from the University of Central Florida. She currently works as a nurse in ambulatory endoscopy uh, in, in uh, Longwood, Florida. She's worked as an RN for 18 years in various specialties, including OB and GI. Her nonfiction has been published in the journal Bayou Magazine and Cream City Review. Thanks, Kevin. And finally, we have Patricia Nugent. She's served as a teacher, administrator, and adjunct professor. She's the author of They Live On, Saying Goodbye to Mom and Dad, a compilation of vignettes portraying the stages of caring for and saying goodbye to a loved one as seen through the eyes of a daughter and her terminally ill parents. She contributed a chapter to the book we're discussing, I Wasn't This Strong When I Started Out, and her chapter was entitled The Nurses Whispered, which is a tribute to the nurses who were so critical in guiding her and her parents through their end-of-life experience. As Nugent writes, nurses were there every step of the way out of my parents' 18-month journey from life to death. They provided quiet, behind-the-scenes support and guidance to a family in trouble. I will hold their service forever in gratitude. So, Patricia, Pamela, and Lee, welcome to RNFM Radio. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you all for being here with us. And, Lee, I wanted to begin with you as the editor of the book and the editor of the literary magazine Creative Nonfiction. Could you tell us how this book came to be and what was the impetus for you to decide, yes, a book about nurses and nursing by nurses is what, uh, in fact, books would like to publish? Well, um, I am a writer, and um, I write um, a lot about healthcare, 
I have, and I do what people call this immersion work. That is to say, I immerse myself in other people's lives and in and in venues and milieus that I'm not particularly familiar with for long, long periods of time. And I have done, um, over the past uh, 15 or 20 years, uh, four or five books. One, I spent four years in the organ transplant world and um, uh, writing about the lives of everybody involved in the organ transplant experience. I spent three years in a pediatric institution and did the same thing, trying to capture the world of um, the world I was writing about through the eyes of all of the players, patients and doctors and nurses alike. So I've done that uh, four times. And um, as I went through the experience, of course, everybody wants to hang out with doctors and surgeons especially, and transplant surgeons were incredibly exciting. This book was in the early days of organ transplantation, and um, and so it was it was all new, it was all different. Lots of folks were dying, and lots of folks were living for short periods of time, and um, and so it was. And I, I lived with patients, and um, I I jetted through the night with transplant surgeons. But the thing that caught me then, and continued to catch me through all of my books, and make me stop and think a bit was the fact that the connective tissue to all of these people, all of the good work that they were doing, whether they were whether we're talking about social workers or patients or families or physicians, all the good work was impossible to be done without the quiet help of the nurses. In the transplant world, um, the organ transplant coordinators w- w- connected the surgeons, the social workers, families, and the patients. They were the key, the glue that connected everybody, and every organ transplant coordinator was a nurse. And this idea was repeated through all of these different milieus over the over four books and, and as I said, 15 or 20 years. And um, slowly but surely, I began to realize that um, that without nurses, um, um, none of the incredible miracles that that healthcare was providing uh, would uh, would have been achieved. And um, and and if you don't mind me saying a little more, I mean, I have written lots of books, but I could not for a long time get publishers interested in writing about nurses, in anyone writing about nurses. The theory was, one, nurses don't write, and two, um, nurses won't read what you've written, even if it's about them. And so it was a long trek um, to make it happen, and I made it happen not through the publishers who were publishing me, but through In Fact Books, um, which is an imprint, a new imprint of the Creative Nonfiction Foundation that uh, that I founded uh, a long time ago, uh, with the help of the Jewish Healthcare Foundation, who provided the interest and the seed money uh, for us to reach out to nurses and to collect their essays. And so it was a long slog, I have to say, uh, mm. before people realized how essentially important nurses were to everything that happens in the world of healthcare. And the thing is, um, people know this. People who are involved in the hospital world, uh, families especially, patients especially, know this. 
but the nurses are the quiet heroes. They're the people that you need but are often not recognized. And so this was something I wanted to do for a long time, and, um, and, and my connection with Impact Books made it happen. Wow, Lee, thank you for that. You said so many things there that I've been trying to keep track of, that nurses are the heroes, that they're the connective tissue. I might have to use that, I'm afraid, unless you've coined it. Uh, it's just beautiful. And um, I have to admit <laughs> right off, I think I might have mentioned this in the email to you, that I actually submitted a chapter for this book and was rejected, and I, I accept rejections with as much grace as I can. And it is a beautiful book, and it is an incredible collection, and we're so delighted to have you here and Pamela and Patricia. And you all bring a different, very interesting perspective to this conversation because, Lee, you're not a nurse, but you've written a lot of books about healthcare. You've really, you've been in the trenches there in your own way, and you recognize the importance of nurses. And uh, Patricia, you're not a nurse, but you really were in the position of a caregiver and Pamela, you are a nurse, so it's a very interesting trio you are. And Pamela, I wanted to ask you your experience of submitting for this book and a little bit about your story, individually identifiable, and what it means to you. Um, I started writing the essay, actually, as a uh, humorous essay that made fun of HIPAA, which um, the essay is about the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act and how I feel that while it protects patients and their private healthcare information, it I have had direct experiences where it provided barriers between the nurses where they were no longer able to discuss patients that they were taking care of during the day because that nurse was not directly involved in the patient care and how nurses rely on each other to be able to talk and share their stories and get through some of the emotional things that they experience throughout their work. And as I was um, writing this humorous essay, I actually made peace with the law and realized how important it was and kind of came to my own place um, where I felt it was important but still recognize the barriers that it places between nurses. Mm. Well, and it certainly places um, a barrier, and we've often talked about HIPAA when it comes to healthcare providers, i.e. nurses, uh, when it comes to writing and sharing these stories and how to uh, change the environment, the age of the patient or the sex of the patient or whatever. And then sometimes, you know, maybe the story gets a little bit watered down, uh, you know, once you get to the end of it sometimes. So it can be quite challenging, um, I think, as, as a nurse writer. Uh, we have great stories to share, and, of course, we do want to protect the integrity of, of private health information, personal health information, um, but also to be able to share the stories to the public of, you know, what we're seeing in our eyes or through the patient's eyes or just the, the intimacy that we experience each and every day as nurses. Yes, absolutely. I agree. I think that um, we see patients at their best and at their worst. They're um, very vulnerable oftentimes when we're taking care of them and they are really forced to trust us completely whether they want to or not. And we 
see things and experience things with them. And uh, but the stories belong to them, not to us. And sometimes we still need to share those stories, though, because um, stories need to be shared. That's how we process things. I think that stories are how we really make sense of a lot of things that happen in our lives. That's very true. And yeah, and Pamela, you in your talking points that you submitted, and we were reading through actually your your wonderful submission, your chapter in the book, which is beautifully written, and Thank also you. some things. Sure, you're welcome. Thank you. And <laughs> the questions that you sent us in the comments prior to the show, and you actually were interested to know in a way what happened when Lee received all these submissions and if he was surprised by what he received. Because you said you were surprised because you were expecting to be a little more distanced from these other experiences. And you, I, what I gather is that you saw more of yourself in all of these other stories than you even expected to see. Is that true? That is really true. I, um, it, it was, it was quite an experience reading the book. Um, I, the first thing that really, uh, struck me was how, how much we're impacted by nursing school and we still tell those stories, even if it's 20 years later, as some of these nurses have done that our, first experiences in clinical and our experiences with our nursing instructors um, still have an impact on us that we carry every day that we practice, which is probably something um, good for nursing instructors to know that maybe even all teachers, how much we still carry that with us. Um, And I was, you know, one of the things that I had mentioned is that at work, when nurses are talking to each other and telling each other stories, we reminisce. Like I work with a nurse that, you know, the, the joke about when we, when I remember when we were sharpening needles. Um, there's nurses of all range. They have so many stories that they will reminisce or we acknowledge our experiences. Um, sometimes nurses like to compete with one another and they'll tell stories um, to not be outdone by another story. And one of the things that nurses fail at is sharing our stories in a communal way that show how similar we are. Um, I One of the things that I really appreciated in reading all of these essays, which I'm going to sidetrack for a second and just comment on what Lee said, that nurses are very much readers. They belong to book clubs and um, and, and love to read. So that's something that you could pass along. But anyway, I um, <laughs> <laughs> was saying that... that <laughs> that um, in terms of sharing our stories with each other, I, I, I really loved how how repetitive it was that we are afraid, that we're concerned about whether or not we can make it as a nurse, that we don't know if we have what it takes to be a nurse. Sometimes we don't even know what it means to be a nurse and if we're overstepping a boundary that we're not supposed to take as a nurse that we um, are afraid of hurting people. We're afraid of what the experiences mean for our own lives. And that's the kind of stuff that nurses don't talk to each other about. And I feel was a very important thing that came through in this book and that what I very much appreciated as a nurse was seeing how universal some of our feelings are. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Now, uh, we want to move on to Patricia as well, but Lee, I just wanted to bring that question from Pamela back to you uh, briefly. Were you surprised by the stories you received, or was it what you were expecting? Well, um, yes, I was surprised by the volume of the stories we received. First of all, I want to, we're saying this word stories, which is correct, but they're true stories. Nobody made anything up. Everything is, um, it's, it's all nonfiction, it's all true, which makes the, the writing even more challenging. Because um, you, can't, you can't lie about the characters, you can't uh, lie about the hospital. Um, you, it's, it's pretty much what the nurse writers um, remember and know to be true. And furthermore, we fact check. In fact, books fact checks. And so if we found something that was untrue, we would not have published it. So, so, so there is that. But, but we got over 400 submissions, essays, mm. submissions, essays anywhere from 2,000 to maybe six or 7,000 words. And first of all, we got many more than we expected. Um, and second of all, they were so much better than we expected as as well. And that was um, it was um, it was kind of a, an eye opener for us. And uh, because we just we just didn't expect that kind of response. And it wasn't as if we're a small nonprofit publisher, so it wasn't as if we you know, we we bought a big ad in in a in in, in a big nursing journal because we couldn't afford it, or in any writer's journal. The other thing is um, we were surprised at um, how many writing degrees and writing experiences that the nurses who submitted to us and the nurses who published, we published, had. So, uh, yes, nurses um, um, were RNs and BSNs and had different master's degrees in nursing, but many had writing degrees as well. So it was all very, very interesting and an incredibly encouraging um, for us to know that uh, that nurses wanted so much to communicate, to share their ideas, to share their experiences, and to communicate. So we thought that the that we, we suspected that it would be hard to find enough wonderful essays to fill a book. And what we discovered was it was really difficult to pick the best because there were so many good ones. It was very difficult to figure out which ones to publish and which not. Mm. Can can We're I interject one, one more thing? Okay. No, I was just gonna I was just gonna quickly say, just encouraging to hear from the so-called silent hero, um, uh, so that, that it's really good to hear that you had so many submissions. Very encouraging. Well, it was sure exciting to us. I mean, oh, it, it, it 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 caused a problem. Then we had, you know, it took us a <laughs> it took us a time to read it and and discuss it and debate over it. It, it was it was quite it was, it was quite interesting. So, yeah, mm-hmm. um, it's um, it, it was it was a very satisfying experience. And as I said to you before, this wasn't a new idea on my part. Um, and I, there was just incredible resistance from the publishing community. Many books about yes, write about doctors. Um, um, write memoirs about <clears throat> about um, about how you were saved from a terrible disease, um, but nurses, I don't think so. The publishers would say, but this was um, this was an eye opener. And, well, and I should also add uh, one more thing: the book sold out. 
I mean, there was an there was an article about it in the New York Times, and in the blink of an eye, the book sold out, and we're moving. We're just about ready for a second printing. And if anybody's listening to this, um, if they go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble, and it says um, says that there's a delay in sending. Uh, in, in sending the books, please do order anyway. We have just done a second printing, and the books will be into Amazon and back in the stores within the week. Great. So, Pamela, I know you've had a comment, and then I have a question, and Kevin may have a question for Patricia. So go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't want to take time away from Patricia. I just wanted to um, jump on what Lee was saying, that when I was in school, I was often questioned why I was getting a degree in writing when I was a nurse, because many people didn't see the connection. But to me, and I think to other nurses that have gotten their degree in writing, the connection couldn't be clearer. And I would often say, well, what is writing about? It's about people and stories. And what is being a nurse about. It's about people and stories. And I think the connection could not be clearer even if other people don't see it. What can I add to that? It's not only about people and stories, but it's about drama and suspense. There are life <laughs> yeah, and death yes. stories. I mean I mean, this is what everybody seeks, you know, this is uh <laughs> there's this, this suspense excitement and heroics and incredible disappointment and of course of course great exhilaration as well all right. and, and nurses experience that amazingly every week that's right and it's not like you see on tv it's actually real so uh kevin did you have a the stories are actually for... better yeah TV. they're better right Right. They're a lot better. So, yeah. so Patricia, you know, from the standpoint of um, you're going to uh, share your your thoughts here as as a family member, as a caregiver, um, you know, with your parents. What are your thoughts on this from your side here as someone who's not a nurse, um, but but reading the stories here, and then of course experiencing this from a caregiver standpoint and being, uh, you know, a family member, uh, which which essentially sometimes that's included in our stories about our interactions with the family. So what do you, you know, what's your input on this, Patricia? Um, I, I really, I, I know I'm in the anomaly in the book because I think I'm the only non-medical professional that was fortunate enough to be selected to be included. And Lee used the term immersion, and that was very much what happened to me. Um, I was a school administrator, two elderly parents, got sick in Florida and that you know that so often happens and all of a sudden my life was thrown into chaos and I was trying to figure out how to manage that and over a course of eight my parents both got sick simultaneously over the course of 18 months they were in several different medical facilities both in Florida and in New York state and um I I wouldn't have made it through without the support that I got and my parents got from nurses. And, you know, my chapter entitled uh, The Nurses Whispered um, really came from my awareness of how how nurses whispering in my ear or my parents' ear what their best advice was and, and really taking a risk in doing that because it, it sometimes was in opposition to what a doctor was recommending. Um, it sometimes was volunteering, being proactive, and so saying, why don't you ask the doctor this? 
it um and one one thing I put in in my chapter is it felt like the whisperings of angels because we were so lost, thrown into that culture that we didn't fully understand, and we received so much support from nurses that um I ended up I journaled for just for my own private journaling uh throughout the experience just to get myself through it then transcribe those into um, vignettes that that then became the book that you mentioned. And then when I saw this call for submissions, I wandered back through my journal and saw the common thread, which was the quiet support that nurses were always giving us. And that was what inspired me to take the risk and, and send a manuscript in for consideration for inclusion in this mm. book. Well, I think it was a brilliant stroke of genius on the the editor's part to include you, Patricia, because having that extra layer of not opinion but but view, almost like a not a bird's eye view, because you were right in there with your parents, with the nurses, but it gives a whole different perspective on what this is all about. And I don't think the book would have been the same without you being included. And you said something beautiful on page 253. You said about the nurses, they didn't reflect back to her any pain, disappointment, or frustration with her decline, speaking of your mother, like her family did, those who knew how capable she had once been. Instead, they emanated total acceptance and support. They modeled a mindset, teaching me both to accept my mother as she was and to cease wishing for the return of my real mom. Can you speak a little bit to what that means to you, or is there another part of the story you'd like to read us that would that would elucidate that, what the nurses did for you in that respect? I, I do think that was very important for both my parents and for me. You know, when, when you see your parents declining, um, you just want them to be the way they were. And there's this anger, and I'm, and I'm sure nurses like Pamela have seen it. There's this anger that is not explainable but all too common that they're slipping away from you. It's, it's part of those, that stage, those stages of loss. Anger is one of them, and um, or the bargaining or the denial. And, and I remember saying, Mom, eat, eat, just eat, just eat this. And she couldn't. And and the nurses knew that, and I did not. So a nurse would watch that tension unfolding. She would come over and say, you know, why don't you just drink the juice? Or something that really interceded um, to, to break the tension and, and to help educate me about what was going on. And, you know, I, I, if, if they... What what I found is they did not come with preconceived notions. This woman should be able to do this. They took her as they saw her. And in, in my mom's case, she had a brain tumor and, um, you know, slowly was losing lots of, of her abilities. And they were always there to accept at whatever level she was on any given day, whereas I just wanted my mom back. I wanted the woman back who at 88 still walked faster than I did. And that wasn't going to happen, and the nurses knew that. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, you know, Patricia, that's something, too, because I, I experienced that personally this year with my mother, losing my mother at such a young age uh, this February, but uh, also being a nurse and an advocate, a patient advocate and helping bridge gaps in that it is troubling. Um, you know, you're talking about your mom sort of probably walking circles around you or many others. Uh, and it seems like, oh, gosh, you know, this woman's going to continue to go on. I mean, she's going to outlive us all. Uh, but but we know, uh, you know, we see that decline, and, and we know those those moments where you can where you can just tell based on our experience that okay, this is going to be next, this is going to be next, and we do our very best uh, to prepare the family for that. And you, you know, saying to your mom, you know, just eat this or drink that or do this, you know, or her, you you watch that decline, and it can be very rapid. Um, and and I know for me personally, when I work in that end of life. Um, arena uh, you know as a clinician it it does we have to try we try to create that buffer uh we we try to um uh bridge those gaps that you may have or or, or uh, family members may have you know with their loved ones um trying to basically find some acceptance that you know this is the course that's being taken you know this this is where you know mom or dad or loved one is going uh and so uh, in, in those intimate situations, I appreciate having that opportunity to spend so much time with the family as we work through that uh, together. You know, I think another example of that is the 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 uh, vignette about the uh, the hospice nurse. I really thought I was doing everything I could for my mom. Why would she need anyone else? I was there for her as much as I could possibly be. And yet when the hospice nurse first introduced herself, this was an occasion where my mother whispered, I heard my mother whisper, I need more outside support, and grabbed the hospice nurse's hand. And the hospice nurse whispered back, I will be here for you. So, wow. you know, it, it really goes both ways. The um, You know, my mom appreciated how non-judgmental an objective that the nurses uh-huh. were. And uh-huh. and they taught me. They taught me so much. This book is teaching me so much as I read. I mean, I've always had an admiration for nurses. My best friend is a nurse. And yet, until I read this book, I had no idea, and Pamela mentioned the fear, the anxiety, the, the self-doubt, that, and, and how much we entrust in, in them, how much we expect of them to make it all better. Mm. I think they try real hard to make it better. They do, and that's so true, Patricia. And before we go back to Lee and Pam with a a few other questions, uh, do you have any brief passages from the book you would like to read? Anything you'd like to share? Would you like a few minutes to look at that while we all chat? Well, I got a heads up that you might ask that. So Uh um, I do have a short one that I would read, which is, which is how the uh, chapter opens, and um, just a couple paragraphs that I would like to read. It was the doctor who told us, in a neutral and matter-of-fact tone, that it was time to refer my father to hospice. It was he who sat down with us in the cold, sterile hospital environment to lay it on the line to tell us there was no hope. We'll do what we have to do, my mother replied stoically looking sad and radiant at the same time. Just a few weeks before, they had gone for a walk, and he had fallen and broken his hip. 
anesthesia and hip replacement surgery had left him weakened and unable to swallow correctly. The doctors tried to convince my mother to allow a feeding tube. She called me from the Florida hospital. They want to put a feeding tube in your father. I said no, but they say they must. She was more unglued than I'd ever heard her and desperately looking for direction from me, a rare occurrence. Your father won't tolerate a feeding tube, she continued. He'll tear it out. He'd rather die than live like that. I can't let them do that to him. They keep sending different doctors in to try to convince me. But one nurse whispered to me that I was right, and she wouldn't do it either. And I won't. The nurse who'd had the courage to whisper in my mother's ear that day, when both my sister and I were living out of state, made all the difference. Thanks to her informal counsel, my mother stuck to her guns and insisted that my father not receive a feeding tube. Instead, he received speech therapy to improve his swallowing. He eventually graduated out of hospice, living another 18 months. Well, there's nursing in action and your mother actually listening and hearing what the nurse had to say. And like you have mentioned several times already, how the nurse took a chance and whispered to your, what, you know, whispered what she thought would be the best course of action. Mm-hmm. So true. Mm-hmm. So true. And I will be forever grateful. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's a beautiful passage, and your chapter is incredible. And I'd like to let our listeners know that there is a guest post, a brief guest post by Patricia on our website, rnfmradio.com. It's just a little check-in by Patricia about her chapter, why she wrote it, and um, just really giving the a little bit of background on her submission to the book. And Patricia let us know today that it's not showing up well on Internet Explorer. So please check out our blog using Firefox or Chrome. You'll have a much better experience or even mm-hmm. Safari. But we'll fix Internet Explorer as soon as we can. Now Great. I'll be working on that this evening. I apologize. Yeah. I'll, I'll see if I can get some script stuff worked out on the back end. Right. Excellent. Because it's a great no. site. Too, Thank it's good you. to let people know about it. Yes, Internet Explorer has given us a little bit of trouble. But uh, Lee, as the editor, when you chose this story as the non-nurse, you know, the non-clinician submission that you decided to include, what were you thinking? What did you think this would add to the book? It was um, another uh, viewpoint that we wanted to share. And uh, there weren't. Um, uh, we thought that we would get a lot. We would. We thought that we would have um, a number of 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 kind of patient stories and family stories. Um, but we got very few patient stories, and uh, and and but many more stories that that kind of dealt with what um, what family members see and appreciate. Um, or, in fact, sometimes resent about um, the nursing experience, and so, and so this just fit in in kind of the, the the whole spectrum of the different viewpoints that we wanted to provide uh, in the book. So, so it was it was just a perfect fit for us. Mm, well, well done. Thank you. That, like I said, it was a stroke of genius. And Kevin, did you have a question for Pamela? We wanted to bring can Pamela ask, back into this conversation. Can I ask a question? Surely, go right ahead. Uh, of, of you guys, or generally, um, um, 
I would like to keep writing about nurses and uh, and 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 maybe publishing more about nurses and and I'm kind of curious about what you all think we as a society ought to be doing to to strengthen the nursing experience to strengthen um the way in which nurses can be more effective in a hospital um um and patient family setting. Mm. Kevin, I'm going to let you field that one. Kevin. Oh, we might have lost Kevin there for a second. Okay. So, Lee, I will... No, 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 I'm here. This. Sorry. Oh, I go, was accidentally on mute. <laughs> oh, Kevin, I'd like Technical you to Technical mishap. I was... I was okay. I was on I was on mute. I apologize. Okay. Um, you know, as as far as strengthening that uh, is concerned, it's it's greatly that uh, I certainly appreciate it as a nurse that even though you might have been getting some pushback, uh, you know, from from publishers uh, about putting the the nursing stories out there, or the nurses' stories out there, or the viewpoint, because you know, it seems as if we've had these conversations before. It, it's whatever term you want to use, maybe it's not as sexy, it just doesn't sell, you know, saving lives and the doctor's sort of heroic measures always seem to to be the selling points. But I think that sharing these stories, uh, these experiences um, from a nursing point of view, uh, quite frankly, what we really need to do is sort of break down those barriers, those prejudices, those quote-unquote theories or what people might think of, of nurses. I mean, yeah, some will admit that they're the silent heroes, and, and, and even you thought, well, how many nurses am I going to get to contribute you know, to this book or to this project? Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and it sounds like you had a huge influx. And, and really what it comes down to, Lee, and of course for all of our nurses out there in the audience, is that we do. We just want to be heard. Um, we said it time and time again. We just want to be heard, and we have so much to share. And we have oftentimes been pushed in the corner or under the thumbnail of someone, or just oppressed as a as a profession, uh, as individuals, and as a profession as a whole. And we appreciate this opportunity for you. And you know that's why we've created the radio sh- station. That's why there are several nurse bloggers out there. We're just looking for a platform, a voice, a ma- just a way to magnify the message out there. That um, we have a lot to share. We have a lot to contribute. And it's not necessarily that we're asking for a pat on the back or uh, an applause or, or kudos or whatever. We do this because we love it. Um, mm-hmm. But it certainly is nice to hear this perspective, especially when Pat was sharing her perspective from a family member point of view and as a caregiver. Yes. Uh, so I I just think, I'm sorry, just just providing the platform alone and, and opening your doors to the to nurses to be able to write has been amazing. Well, I'm really glad you think so, and 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 I just wrote down something you said, which I which I think is really interesting. You said we have been oppressed as a profession, and and I, I think this is true. That and you said we were often pushed into corners, and this is also really true. Um, um, uh, the, the, there's, an, there's a great intimidation factor that I have been able to observe in, in a hospital setting from the doctor's point of view, the resident's point of view, even, and, and hospital administrator's point of view. The nurses, um, they, they, they take a lot of, um, well, frankly, uh, polite and sometimes not so polite ab- abuse. That, that's very true. Right. And, and Lee, our, 
our last episode last a few weeks ago was about nurse bullying and horizontal violence or otherwise called lateral violence and in your introduction on page 15 you wrote um you wrote that but as hard as they can be on one another nurses faithfully and forcefully support each other in times of stress emotion and need most especially the veteran nurses who reach out on a regular basis to those who are just entering the profession and i'm glad that you've gleaned that from your conversations with nurses but we're actually finding out here that that often isn't the case and a lot of young novice nurses or older novice nurses are driven out of the profession by bullying among nurses so it's something that we're Mm -hmm. discussing in the profession and there are numerous nurse bloggers including myself who are who are addressing some of these issues out there but i i would really like to bring pamela back into the conversation here. Pamela, sorry to not have given you a well, platform here for a few minutes. Uh, well, Keith, okay, I wanted to add something. It's good to just, listen just to. Just really quickly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I just wanted to add something real quickly, and then Pamela can certainly chime in off of this, is that, um, and of course, this includes Patricia as well. So for Lee, basically following up too, um, is that, you know, nurses want to be heard, but one of the most important things or one of the most important pieces that we offer um, is is empowerment. We help empower family members and patients to make uh, informed decisions and education uh, by supporting that. And, you know, Patricia had, had, had mentioned yeah. that as a family member being able to be informed about what was going on so that she could help steer that or make those decisions for mom. And then, you know, you know Pamela, you might be able to weigh in on this as well, is that I think, like I said, across the board, as an advocate myself, we do our very, very best to make sure to empower the patient because when you get a diagnosis, no matter what it is, you're immediately, you feel disempowered because then that labels you or that brings you down, that oppresses you. Um, You know, you're going along, next thing you know, boom, something happens and you're diagnosed with, let's say, cancer or whatever it is. And and it can be debilitating. And we try our very best to empower them. So, Lee, continue that. Um, And I think if you can build on that, that can certainly help us as a profession and, of course, extend that story to to both the nurses and, of course, family members and patients alike. Right. Now, now Pamela, did you have a thought regarding this uh, line of conversation? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, you know, being a nurse is having a position of great responsibility while having little power within that overall healthcare establishment. And um, as Patricia said in her essay, the nurse whispered it into her mom's ear because she feared repercussions of confronting the physicians about it that were trying to push the feeding tube on to her father. Um, You may know what the right decision is for a patient, But openly fighting for that decision means that you face open disdain from physicians and sometimes fellow nurses, actually oftentimes fellow nurses. We are good at advocating for our patients, but we're not always very good at advocating for each other in the field. Um, So, yeah, (laughs) back to... um, what Lee was talking about in terms of trying to find ways to open the field to nurses writing more, I think that one thing that has not been discussed is while physicians who get a lot of 
um, space to write and talk about their experiences. They're the diagnosers. They are in charge of a lot of things, but nurses are the educators. And we are taught in our training to um, make things as easily understandable as we can to lay people. And I think that one opportunity that has been overlooked in terms of nurses writing more and actually empowering the profession where nurses could be seen differently is if they were actually through the context of stories, which makes learning more interesting, write about healthcare. I think that there's a missed opportunity for nurses to be able to teach the public about how to navigate their way through the healthcare system, about diagnoses, treatments, and it can be taught in a very interesting way using the stories that nurses have experienced. Well said. You know, somewhat related, somewhat related to that. This is Pat. If I can jump in here, as a sure. result of the uh, chapter. In this book, I've been asked to do some presentations in my uh, local area. I'm, I'm, I'm near the Albany, New York area. And so I developed a workshop called Finding Your Voice, Strategies for Patient Advocacy. And initially, I thought I was developing it for families because I had had a couple run-ins with doctors and I was out of my element in a hospital. And what I have found is that nurses are starting to come and aides are starting to come to the sessions as well because they are up against that pecking order and that um, and that power differential. And so find they find it hard to find their voice. So I find it interesting that this this training I have developed with, with families in mind is something that I'm finding is of interest to people who work in hospitals as well. Oh, absolutely. And Pamela, I'd like to talk with you more about that. Uh, Patricia, I'm sorry. I'd like to talk with you more about that offline because I have some ideas for you and some people to introduce Great. you to. So let's Excellent. stay in touch offline and touch base about that. Now, um, Pamela, would you like to read a short excerpt from your piece? We would love to also hear and have our listeners hear a little sample of your voice as you, in, in the voice of your writing and what you wrote for this particular submission to the book. Sure. Um, this is, uh, I think, a little halfway into the essay. There was a woman I helped. She had a slow leak from a blood vessel that was nicked during surgery. Before anyone knew about the vessel, her nurse had paged the doctor multiple times about the patient's abdominal pain and ashy color. She begged the nurses, please help me, through pale lips that were drying like fish scales in the sun. The doctor was with his family at the county fair. He strolled onto the unit, sunburned and smiling, evaluated the patient, and ordered a CT scan. It had been hours since the patient he admitted since He'd admitted her by phone. By the time the abdominal leak was identified, the surgeon didn't want to open her up. The release of the pressure on the defect could cause the small hole to tear open, allowing her blood to leak out faster than the hole could be identified and sewn shut. The surgeon explained this to her, detailed her probable death in the operating room, and then smiled and said, 
Here's the option that I like. He explained how excited he was by the idea. At a certain point, there wouldn't be any room in the abdominal cavity for more blood, which might eventually create enough pressure to close the hole for him. The other nurses and I raised our eyebrows at each other. At the nurse's station, we whispered our disbelief. The patient's heart was pumping blood to the wrong place and slowly killing her. Her breath was rasping. Her belly was rigid from the blood pressing her organs tight. And we were going to wait and see if she could make it? Wait and see if her own blood would tamponade the slow leak and stop it? Her blood pressure dropped almost moments after he told her that it probably would. When it kept dropping, 80 over 50, 70 over 40, 60 over 30, it became clear that the surgeon's avoidance of surgery hadn't worked, and we ran ran her to the emergency department. Faster, faster, the surgeon yelled at us. She's going to die in the hall, where they treated her like a fresh trauma. They started new lines using the largest bore tubes possible and expanded her circulatory volume, enabling her heart to continue pumping red blood cells throughout her body. The lab arrived with a box of blood that hadn't been crossed to match, increasing her risk of suffering a mortal reaction. Please don't leave me, she said to those of those whose hands she could grasp, feeling the elusive and tricky slipping away of her life. I stayed with her in the trauma room until she was ready to let go of our hands and place her trust in the oncoming rush, the volume of blood from other people. I left her surrounded by a new group of caregivers who filled her body with what could save her more than our holding hands. She never had the surgery. She spent days in critical care and was eventually discharged from the hospital. But she never left me, and she never left the others. We found ourselves turning back to her in conversations that took place months and years later, still upset by the experience. Her experience was ours too, but she owns it like a copyright. And what do we, the nurses, own? The universal experience, the near-death experience. This is the balance I have found for myself with HIPAA. Wow. (laughs) I've read this story twice. And that passage, I've been sitting on the edge of my seat literally while you read it. So thank you so much for choosing to share that particular part of the story. You're welcome. Mm. Kevin, are you stunned into silence? <laughs> I am. I just I want am. to say that's why. I just want to say that's why I'm not a nurse. <laughs> that is so. That is so amazing to me to think of being in that kind of a life and death situation. You know, it's it's interesting, though, Pat, because um, we do we are in those positions day after day, you know, as a profession. And it's amazing what it what it I don't know what it is that we do. I mean, it's about you have to compartmentalize really well um, Mm. to to really get through that. Um, But Mm -hmm. to sit here, yes, in my chair on the air tonight, I I don't have to make any clinical decisions at the moment. I'm not in any kind of clinical setting or or what have you and and it just it no matter what as as we compartmentalize well and we just have to do what we have to do to get through that very moment that second the minute the hours whatever it is how you break it down um that that passage too it 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 actually chokes me up a bit no matter how much experience i have i mean i was a an icu nurse and we worked with the sickest of the sick 
and and you see amazing things but when you hear it either reading it or or having you know you know Pamela read that passage it it doesn't make it any less like all right i guess in the sense mm-hmm. that we don't let it, it's very difficult to let this stuff go when we have a moment to really think about it and so i think channeling you know writing and talking and dialoguing that's a way that it, it's really therapeutic it's cathartic it's it's a way for us to release that so i mean i, I know that we each and every one of us try very very hard to not break hipaa and and a great point about the copyright uh piece you know the patient you know owning that um but like I said, I think for many of us, we uh, we want to share these stories, you know, for so many reasons. But again, I have to say, part of it too is great therapy because you you hear that and think about that. We do that day to day. Can you imagine what that that does to someone's psyche? You know, like what does it do to them emotionally? And it was recommend journaling to all of you. Yeah, I recommend the practice of journaling to all of yes. you because you have to release that somehow. Yes, that's so true. And one of our well-known nurse bloggers who's listening, Sean Dent. Hello, Sean, out there. He just wrote, after you finished reading that passage, he just wrote speechless on the tweet chat. That's all he had to say. So... Yep. There's a nurse out there who heard that passage for the first time, and he recognized the power of that passage and that story. And Pamela, the universal experience you're discussing, I think that is such a key point here, the universal experience that nurses share. And Patricia's recognizing it through her portrayal of her side of the story from watching the nurses and being on the receiving end of their whisperings. Thank you. I I think it goes back to, again, um, what is so valuable in this book in letting nurses know that they're not alone. You know, the fact that I could go back to the nurses that I'd shared that experience with and we could still say, yeah, I'm still upset by that too, Um, I, I think it helps us as nurses form stronger community, get away from horizontal violence because that is very real, and um, and the competitiveness that exists in nursing. Um, it, it helps us when we do share those experiences and then we continue to talk about them to realize that, you know, we're not alone in the emotions that we're experiencing as a direct result of our work. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Can I add well, um, Oh, please this. do, Lee. Um, yeah, go ahead, Lee. Here's, here's something else that, that I have observed. I've spent lots of time, as you said, in the trenches. But here's the thing. Nurses remember the, and and doctors forget. Or, uh, And I'm sorry, I have to say that. that, that if, if they don't forget, they don't think about it. Okay? And I think they train, uh, surgeons especially. But as I sit and listen to conversations, um, nurses tell stories about patients and, um, and and challenges and problems and doctors talk science they talk um, um, they talk procedures they talk they talk medications um, or they talk hockey or baseball but but um, but the nurses um, 
the, the, the stories are vivid in the nurses' minds, and the stories don't go away. And the stories are shared by nurses day after day after day. And it's different with doctors. It's like, it's almost as if the doctors, and maybe this is true in medical school, um, are, are, are kind of pushed to not uh, verbalize what they know they see and hear true. Well, you know, interestingly, interestingly, I think nurses aren't afraid to turn the lights on. You know, we don't want to work in the dark. And Well, of course, you know, uh, I, I mean, we certainly do well working in the dark when we have to work, you know, at, at, at night. But certainly um, we do like to turn the lights on because, you know, time and time again, you know, you're talking about uh, docs uh, forgetting or, or sort of diverting the conversation or whatever. Um, I mean, all due respect to our fellow uh, healthcare provider out there. Uh, you know, docs do a fabulous job, fabulous job, but it's, you know, I'm often in these conversations where I'll have a patient come to me and, and they just got out of a consultation with a surgeon and surgeon apparently says, oh, yeah, you know, I'll be up and about, you know, in three days. And I'm like, are they still telling patients this? Because let me tell you how it's going to be. You know, I, I won't sugarcoat it for you. I'll let you know. Yeah, definitely do the surgery. I think it's a great idea. But here's how you're probably going to feel for the next, like, month. Um you know, we like to turn the lights on and educate our patients and, you know, support that. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, the truth might hurt, but it's often my, my uh, you know, personal experiences when I have family members call me and say, yeah, no problem. I'll be out of the hospital and doing this in the next, you know, few days. Um, I'm sorry, but I don't think you will. Um, <laughs> mm. Let me tell you how it's going to go down. You know, you're going to be fighting the, the, the nausea, the pain. You know, the rehab is just going to be a real bear. Um, you're going to be doing this for the next three weeks. You're going to be doing this for the next six weeks. And they're like, but he didn't tell me that. I know. I'm telling you that because I've been there. I've rehabbed patients that have done this exact same procedure. So, I mean, I just, you know, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent there. But like I said, it's just our, our piece. We just like to turn the lights on. And there's oh, a you can turn the lights. I think you turn the lights on, though, in general with nurses, in a way that's very sensitive to your audience because you have seen the fear in families, the pain, all of that. And so, I think I think it's true that. And there's a there's a great um, essay in the book about um, being really tough with somebody who had to learn how to trach her husband's, how to how to. Um, a vacuum or husband's trach, but um, but but I think what I found with nurses is while you do tell the truth, it's often delivered in a way that the family or the patient can hear because you understand the context right. in which you are delivering that information. Right, and there's the use opportunity a for maybe we don't just flip it on right away, but we use a dimmer switch and, <laughs> and gently right. turn those lights <laughs> up a bit. Uh, maybe I should have been a little bit more. Yeah, sensitive to that certainly, but you, but you're right. It's a great way to put that. Mm. Yes. I was going to say there's the opportunity once again for nurses to be able to write. I think um, because it is what we do in practice all the time that if nurses wrote more, I encourage nurses to do that and um, use the stories and. Educate in the way that people are going to hear it, the nurses will start being looked at in a different light. Agreed, agreed. And, you know, Keith said earlier that, you know, Lee had gleaned something a little bit different as far as because we've talked about lateral violence, horizontal violence in the workplace um, with nurses. 
and and then of course Pamela, you know, we're talking about sharing these stories and and really hearing that passage again. It's like I am walking in your shoes. I have experienced that. Maybe not that exact thing, but good grief, it was so close to it. I mean, it might as well have been. And I just think stories like this and being able to communicate that and doing it more and and more, you know, and effectively and not necessarily trying to one-up each other because, quite frankly, it doesn't matter. We don't have to embellish or one-up anyone. These stories are amazing, and we all share that one piece. Maybe not that one piece, but definitely a very vital uh, role of that 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 level of intimacy that we have with the patient and the families. And so there should just be this general you know level of understanding among all of us that we're all experiencing the same thing, generally speaking. So we're in this together. We're in this together. We need to be cohesive. And I'll chime in, this is Keith, that I think there are more and more nurses out there who want to write, who are really getting the voice. I know Teresa Brown, our friend who's been on the show several times, is in this book. She has a chapter um, sort of towards the beginning of the book called A Long Night's Journey Into Day. That's a little play on words for her there, and it's a beautiful story, and she also writes for the New York Times, and I feel like it's people like her who are bringing the stories of nurses into the limelight, into the mainstream. I don't know how Teresa made it happen to write for the New York Times about nursing, but she's done it. And some of her pieces do receive a fair amount of flack. I can see sometimes hundreds of comments about the pieces on the New York Times website, but I think it's great to get these conversations going. And Lee, something you said about uh, doctors forgetting and nurses remembering, if that was in a Teresa Brown article, that would have quite the uh, conversation going on in the comments section of the Times. And I just want to point out to our listeners out there that they can go to creativenonfiction.org and find everything about the magazine, Creative Nonfiction, the journal that Lee's been publishing for years. And if you go across the top and click on books in the upper menu and you scroll down a little bit, you'll see the I Wasn't Strong Like This When I Started Out, edited by Lee Goodkind, right there. And you can also find the anthologies under categories, and you'll find the book right at the top of the page. So creativenonfiction.org is the place to connect with all of creative nonfiction's work, including the imprint of In Fact Books. So we encourage all of you to go there, and we encourage any nurse or non-nurse that uh, I'll say to buy this next edition coming out, this next printing, because it is an incredible book. So, Lee, is there something else you'd like to say about the work of creative nonfiction or anything you'd like to talk about in terms of everything you've been doing out there in the world in terms of getting incredible stories in front of the public. I think you have just said everything that I would want anyone to say. And oh, gosh. It's better that you say it than I do. So, um, so that's terrific. Yes, we're, we're, we're a small, nonprofit, independent foundation. Uh, no, no one, no large university or, 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 um, or funder supports us in any significant way. Um, we give conferences, we give, we do workshops around the country, and, um, and we're, we're absolutely dedicated to communicating, uh, important information through true stories. And healthcare is something that I have a special interest in, 
And um, I mean, that's what I do, and that's what I can want to continue doing. And so, any support that buying our books is, is or the magazine is the way to support us most of all, and especially um, this book. It's such a terrific book, and uh, and and. Um, th- there's been, as I said, a great outpouring of interest since it's been published, and and you know we really hope it's going to continue onwards so that we can continue to publish books like this, and you know um, who knows maybe another volume of uh, becoming a nurse will will um, will will be next on the list. Well, we we hope so, yeah. and I would right I would uh, submit again for the next volume for sure. And before I forget, Kevin, I'll let you go in a second, but. Lee, yeah, I sure. want to put a bug in your ear. You said that you run conferences, and I just want to put out the idea. You heard it here first, or maybe you thought of it already, <laughs> of a conference for nurse writers sponsored by creative nonfiction or in fact books to bring all of these nurse writers together and really allow all of us to be in the same room and have a virtual room as well and really have a way to to bring these voices to bear together as a as a community. It would be a really incredible experience. So that's, that's my little that's my two cents. If, and we'll if, promote it like crazy. <laughs> all right. Well, look, um, you have lots of listeners. If 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 you if your listeners feel this is a good idea, um, please write um, um, me. Um, my 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 web my email is on my website leegoodkin.com, or just write the information account at Creative Nonfiction. And if we if if it seems as if there'd be lots of people who might want to participate in a day or two day long conference. Um, um, we'll do it. We can do that. Great. Now, Kevin, maybe RNFM could be there sure. as well. Maybe we could do some, you know, live dialoguing interviews and and, and video there. That would be fun. podcasting, right? That's great. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, it was That's... interesting, you know, Lee, because um, I did. I followed up on Amazon, and you're right. It's if you want to buy the book, at least the 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 actual book, it says that it's available in like one to three months. Um, but of course, the Kindle edition is available now, and, uh, and you know. they're going to change that because the book is going to be available much sooner. We it just the the next printing just came off the it was just shipped to the distributor. So my guess is that um, Amazon will be able to send it out sooner, and uh, uh, the Barnes and Noble online store as well. Yeah, and I and encourage I just, the community. No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't want to interrupt. Yeah, as, as the non-nurse, I would say that when I got this book, I thought that I would just want to read my chapter and yay me and how great to be in there because not being a nurse and being a bit of a hypochondriac, actually, I thought that all the other chapters might not have significance for me. And I just want to say I am spellbound by the stories. They are truly amazing stories that anybody can relate to. You don't have to be a nurse to enjoy and appreciate not only the stories, but the quality of the writing in the book. And uh, this is definitely a book that I'll be recommending to my book club as as well as to friends. Oh, wonderful. Agreed. Well, you know, I wanted to point something out because um, I, I'm looking on Amazon, and I love to, to read the reviews that people put up, and I encourage our community to go to Amazon and post your reviews or go to rnfmradio.com on the uh, most recent post, you know, from, from Patricia Nugent to certainly post your comment there. 
But I just wanted to take this, call this person out um, a little bit. I mean, they posted publicly, so I, I'm just, I think it's okay to bring it on the air. But it was interesting because she writes that she just graduated nursing school, so the idea of this book interested her. The book is not – she said that the book is not an interesting read and wish it had been written in more of a comical manner. No need to be so serious. And I wanted to point out that you know, this isn't slapstick comedy. I mean, sure, there are funny things that happen, I suppose, um, but this is the stuff that – you know, I think you know in nursing school they don't share these stories. They don't necessarily talk about this stuff. It's all nursing theory and the clinical pieces and pathophysiology and just kind of get you through. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're a nurse, and then this stuff starts happening to you. And I think there's um, initial shock, like wow, this goes a lot deeper than I had anticipated. Quite frankly, I think nurses need to read or student nurses need to read this book before becoming a nurse or as they're in school. I mean, it's right. not. Also, it's, it's certainly. Well, I was just going to say this isn't necessarily a replacement, but it'll certainly prepare you a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I'd also question. And I think there was more humor. <laughs> I felt there was more humor in the book than I would have thought there would be. So that comment surprises me. Yeah, I was right. going to say a question yes. if she read the entire book, um, particularly the right. last essay, "Becoming," I, I thought was. Very funny, and I laughed out loud a few times when I read it. I thought it was very well written and really humorous. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope she gives it another, another opportunity, you know, as a nurse, and and uh, she still has the book that she finishes the book if she hasn't read it, or maybe goes back to the book when she gets a little bit of that firsthand experience and knowledge, uh, just to see if this relates to to her clinical practice, because I think most if not all well most of us can can relate to these stories yes and we can also say that the new york times reviewed becoming a nurse the anthology and one of the quotes is that it's beautifully wrought so the new york times has definitely given it a stamp of approval as well and again i'd like to reiterate to all of our listeners to go to creativenonfiction.org you can check out the magazine there, the journal. You can click on books and look at In Fact Books and see what they're up to. Make sure you follow Creative Nonfiction on Facebook. They're facebook.com slash creative nonfiction. And on Twitter, we're now following them. It is at CNF online. So that's at Creative Nonfiction online, at CNF online. So you can find them on Twitter, on Facebook. You can also find Lee Gutkind, that's L-E-E-G-U-T-K-I-N-D, Dot com. You can find Lee there. And before we go, Pamela and Patricia, do you all have websites or anything you would like to point our listeners to? I don't. Okay. Um, this is Pat. I do have a website. It's uh, www.journalartspress, J-O-U-R-N-A-L, artspress, one word, dot com. And you can tell from that that I'm a big advocate of journaling. <laughs> Great. So journalartspress.com. We've been tweeting out all of these sites. We'll make sure we get this one out as well. Okay. So Great. we'll make sure our listeners have access to it on the tweet chat. It's at hashtag RNFM Radio. So Lee Goodkind, Pamela Baker, Patricia Nugent, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence. Thank you for staying quite over time here with us, but this conversation was so fascinating, we couldn't let you go. Thank Thank you you. for having us. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. You did a great job. So much. (laughs) So did you. (laughs) 
Oh, you mm-hmm. all did a wonderful job. You made the show what it is. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. Okay. Good night. Good Here's night. to all the nurses. <laughs> good thank night. Thank you. Good night. Well, Kevin, that was a marathon conversation. It felt like we could have gone at least another hour on so many of these pieces of the conversation. I know. I was watching the clock, and I couldn't believe how we were coming up on the hour so fast. It's so funny because we prep all of our, um, you know, when we're interviewing someone, we let them know how fast this this goes, and it does. It just goes so fast. It is. It's literally like having a conversation around a virtual table here. And sure. I thoroughly enjoyed tonight's show, just as I enjoy all of our shows. Uh, but but certainly, I think it's it's um, very eye opening. And again, Pamela's excerpt that that piece that she read, I, I had to be in silence there for a moment uh, and collect myself. So very powerful, very powerful. Absolutely. And I know Sean Dent, our friend out there at I Am Unafraid on Twitter, he was just absolutely speechless and. Thank you, Sean. He just said, great as always. Glad I could catch the last quarter of the show. We're so so glad you were there. And we're sorry that Tara, our wonderful intern, wasn't able to be with us this evening, but she was otherwise engaged. And I think we held her own in the tweet chat, Kevin. Yeah, she's actually, she was here for the last 15 minutes. I've been kind of chatting it up with her um, oh, uh, on the side. So, yeah, oh, she's here. So, so I let her know how good the show's been going. And, yes, we do appreciate that she that she made it here and uh, certainly she almost missed a good show. And then certainly um, I think the, the first three quarters of the show is, is worth listening to um, most definitely. That's right. So hello, Tara. And thank you so much for making it here. And Tara Giles is our intern. She's been doing a great job with us and we are so blessed to have her. So Kevin, can I give a little rundown of some uh, guests that are coming up in the next weeks? That sounds fantastic. I think our listeners would want to know. Okay. So next week, June 10th, 2013, we have Lisa Sams of Clinical Linkages. She has a, a, a her own business which helps improve hospital-based quality of care. So we're really going to be digging into quality of care next week. She has a lot to say. She does trainings and conferences and speaks with doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals all over the country. We'll be tweeting out some information about her over the coming week. So that's Lisa Sams. And on the 17th, that's two weeks from tonight, we have Susan Strauss. Now, she is a harassment and bullying expert. I know we had um, we had Renee Thompson on several weeks ago, but Susan talks more about physician-to-nurse bullying and hostility and harassment. So she'll be talking about that and also gender issues when it comes to bullying and harassment. So she's going to be taking what Renee talked about and expanding it in a slightly different direction. And we're very happy that Renee and Susan have connected recently through RNFM Radio. They're now in conversation. Now I'm very, very excited to announce that on the 24th of June, we will have Enid Shomer. She's the author of The Twelve Rooms of the Nile. And this is the first fictional book that we'll be talking about here on RNFM Radio. And the reason why we're having her on the show, Enid is not a nurse, but The Twelve Rooms of the Nile is a fictional account of the meeting of a young Florence Nightingale with the French writer Gustave Flaubert along the Nile River during the early years of, of Nightingale's 
youth when she was around 19 years old. Now, we do know that Nightingale and Flaubert were in Egypt at the same time. We know they may have even taken the same boat for a certain period, but there's no historical documentation that they ever met. But Ms. Shomer has taken that and run with it and written what I have to say is an absolutely beautiful and spellbinding book. So if you're interested in Florence Nightingale, this is a really interesting read. And finally, on July 1st, we will have no show because that's the holiday weekend. And then we have a lot more to come for you in July, August, and September, so just stay tuned. So that's what's happening over the next three weeks, Kevin. That sounds pretty busy, Keith. And what I wanted to do is at least reiterate to our community out there uh, whether you listen to us live or archived, obviously you're listening to it because I'm just going to let you know. I, I think you know Lee was very sincere. Uh, Pat and Pamela, of course, uh, very sincere. But but Lee, um, if you are interested, if you have stories to share, if you have something to say, hopefully you hear the sincerity uh, in tonight's show, the voices of our uh, guests tonight, and of course of Lee. Reach out to him if you have something to share, because certainly sounds like there's going to be a, a continuation here, more building, more stories, another book, another platform, whatever that is. Just reach out. Um, you know, don't hold back. Don't put up those obstacles or hurdles. If you have something, please put it out there. And uh, if you can't find him, then certainly reach out to Keith and I at Nurse Keith, and of course at Innovative Nurse, or uh, find us on rnfmradio.com, and we will certainly help to get you in touch because I love the fact that I hear more and more nurses out there that are writing and want to get their stories out there. And so we're just, we're all about building community here. And I know they are too. That's right. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. And our friend Carol Gino as well is really has a program out there for nurses who want to write and she calls it right to heal. So you can always reach Carol Gino at hopeful healer. She's on Twitter, Facebook, just Google Carol Gino and you can find her or find her through us. She'd love to talk with you about writing. So that's a little plug for Carol Gino and what she's doing to bring writing. And again, creativenonfiction.org. You can find Lee Goodkin there. Also go to books and you can order the book or go to Amazon. And again, we want to repeat one more time. The book is called I Wasn't Strong Like This When I Started Out, True Stories of Becoming a Nurse. So that is the book and we would love for you all to read it, to tell us what you think about it. So, Kevin, I think that's it for me from here in Santa Fe. Folks can find me at nursekeith.com, or you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash rnfmradio, or on Twitter at nursekeith. So, Kevin, thank you so much, and I'm going to let you have the last word. Have a wonderful week, everyone. We'll see you next week with Lisa Sams on June 10th. And, Kevin, have a wonderful night, and you can take us home. Well, as always, Keith, it is a pleasure, so thank you so much for spending your evening with me and, of course, our guests tonight and our live listeners and the community out there. We certainly do appreciate everything that you do for us, uh, and that is support the community and the platform. So whether you spent your time with us live tonight or whatever day that you happen to be listening to this show, we are certainly working hard to bring you valuable content while creating a global exchange among nurses and other clinicians. We hope that you in some way have felt uplifted, motivated, and ready for something that moves the needle for you. Find passion in your life and also with everything you create each and every day. Care for yourself while caring for others, and we look forward to having you back here with us again 
on RNFM Radio. 